Hello and welcome to the Haskin Cast podcast, everyone. Happy Halloween to all of us here in North America. I hope everyone has a uh, fun and safe time tonight out there. It can get a little bit crazy. I love that every year people seem to go further and further with decorations and costumes. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, it's actually started here a couple of weeks ago when they decorated uh, one of the areas here that leads down to the high roller Ferris wheel. They always put these, you know, seven and eight foot costumes out there on, on poles that really the, the detail, the creativity, very unique. Um, absolutely love walking down that part of the strip. And uh, of course, here we have these um, sort of massive costume contests that from what I've heard, and I, I don't participate in them, but from what I've heard, they can get up to ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 in prizes. So uh, people tend to really go all out for them. And, and uh, it's probably the best night to walk the strip and just enjoy the atmosphere and uh, the lively conversations and things uh, pr probably better than any other night of the year. Uh, for me, at least, in my opinion. So that's fun, and I uh, hope everybody has a good time wherever you're going. Please be safe. Um, there's no reason to drive if you don't have to. We have plenty of Uber and Lyft and taxi cabs and friends and all kinds of things. So please be safe out there because, you know, we need you for stuff. Uh, today's episode is a lot of fun. I interviewed my friend Stephanie Gale Williams, who I've known for years, and yet we have never met. Uh, one of the, the many friendships that I've developed over the course of the years. And uh, we both came from the Phoenix film community. She's moved on to Los Angeles. And of course, I'm here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, had a really good time talking to her. I think that you'll uh, enjoy the interview. She's a lot of fun. So without further ado, here's Stephanie. Stephanie, thank you very much for being on the show. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And uh, you're in L.A., is that right? Yes. How are you finding living there? Are you Because you've been there a couple years now. Are you getting more comfortable with it? Is it still kind of difficult to, to navigate? I love it. It's absolutely the best town I've ever lived in. Really? Yeah. It, it's full of artists. And even, even if they're not artists, whatever field they're in, they're so passionate. Like, I will sit down at, like, a place to have coffee or breakfast or whatever and just hear somebody just talking so passionately about, like, insurance or something like that. And it still makes me smile because everybody here has such fire and it really, really, really comes through. I like that. I think there's a certain energy to it that just kind of drives you to be that way whether you really even are or not. I mean, I'm sure that there are people that are passionate about insurance or whatever business that they're in, but I think there's a certain boost that comes just from the energy of living in a place like that that kind of makes them feel it even more than they would normally. I completely agree. Everybody is so heightened here. Just mm -hmm. Everybody's always working. Everybody's always creating or collaborating or um, just speaking passionately. Even you see students doing the same thing. I have a lot of friends that are in school for like screenwriting or... Um, musical composition and it's amazing just just sitting there and listening to them and seeing their face light up yeah i i would agree the the time that i lived there and it was only about nine months and i stayed a little further outside of the city i was in west covina so i would typically come into la for the like the red carpet events and things like that but even even just going to those or when I would have to go for, you know, a tuxedo fitting or something like that, it, it really did feel different there. And I could see where you would get a charge out of being in the place because it happens there. You feel 
not as distant as we did when we lived in Arizona, um, you're more immersed in it and you're closer to the, the reality of it than maybe one day I'll get out there. So it's a good place to be. And there's a lot of opportunities. Have you, when you're out having coffee, have you um, like overheard conversation or met somebody was, you know, somebody that could potentially be a good connection for you? Oh, yeah. And even, uh, funny enough, the best place to do that is at LAX. Really? <laughs> One time, yeah. I was flying out of LAX, and I was happening to sit next to a um, a writer, and I was kind of, I was kind of, like, peeking over, because, not going to lie, you know, I was like, okay, like, you're trying to use your phone. We're about to be on a plane. Like, it's making me nervous. I'm already nervous to be on a plane. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, like, didn't mean to, but I read that it was for, like, a major network television show and Hmm. I was just sitting there like okay (laughs) and trying not to be weird and it was just hilarious because you see that all the time on planes just LAX in general it's it's so interesting to go and people watch or people are more open to talk to you too because they're just bored waiting for flight sure so I've met a lot of writers I've met casting directors fellow actors it's just it's hilarious it's great that is fantastic. And that's just it. I mean, it's it's just that random, because especially now that there's so many people in the business, whether they're doing on a professional level, just for fun or, or aspiring to be professional, um, it, it's almost the chances are that anywhere you go, you're bound to run into someone that is related, whether you get to find that out or not. Um, sitting next to somebody on a flight for a while, of course, you have a better opportunity. Uh, did you make any connection with them? Well, the awkward thing was, I had just sat down and watched Coco, and I was just, like, crying. And he was looking at me like, this chick okay? (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, I kind of tried to network a little bit, but, like, it doesn't really work when you're sobbing over a child's movie, like. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh. But, you know, that also could have been the icebreaker just as easily. You know, I'm sorry if I look a mess. I just was watching this movie, and it just kind of hit me this way or whatever. Uh, I think as a writer, that would have been particularly interesting, too. Yeah, I definitely have to keep that in mind. I I always seem to find a way to miss opportunities just because I'm an incredibly awkward person. Really? You think so? I really am. Like, I'm very comfortable, like, writing, like, you know... Like, on Facebook, I know that I write, like, a lot of stupid jokes or puns or whatever about my day and awkward encounters. So that is because I am awkward. <laughs> I have someone smile at me at the grocery store, and then, like, I look like, I look like that weird monkey cat meme. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just great, but it's also, like, incredibly hindering my ability to, uh, to network. Yeah. But I'm working on it. I definitely have been going to more events, like, you know, the pre and screeners. That was fun. Um, it's been, it's been a process, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it's a tough thing. It's a tough place to come out of your shell too, because it can be very intimidating. It can also be, you can see yourself in that position, but a lot of times, especially if you're shy or you don't feel comfortable talking to people, um, you know, it, it's hard to go to some of those events where there's people that are very well known and you want to make a good impression and you feel like you're talking like you have cloth in your mouth. Yeah. It's, it's not an easy place to, to network for sure. But do you think that maybe part of that is is the attraction to why you wanted to be an actor, that you could play people that maybe weren't awkward and kind of just let yourself go in the characters? Oh, absolutely. I always choose characters that are strong or outspoken or 
a flaunt their sexuality or their power. They're not afraid to get in a bar fight. Like that's that's my favorite kind of character because it is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, it really helps to open up my own social parameters, I guess, and also just kind of it's really really fun. So. Sure. And I think you have a very versatile look. And what I mean by that is, I mean, you're, you're very beautiful, but you have the ability to play very beautiful. But if you change your eye makeup just a little bit, you also have the ability to look very fierce and in control and dominating. Like you could, I think you could have played Catwoman very, very well, but you could have also played like more of a, a, a demure, maybe um, a, a heroine character as well, because you have that, that look that can play both sides very easily. Are you comfortable playing both sides? Um, I definitely am. First of all, thank you. Oh, sure. Really nice compliment. I love Catwoman. I've always wanted to play Catwoman one day. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I love lip flopping. I know I just had a big audition for a series. Cool. I'm not allowed to say for yet. Sure. But definitely going from being a shy kind of doormat of a girl and just going straight up, like, zero to 100 real quick. Let me just fight the world. And I'm really, really excited about it. That's fantastic. Well, I will keep my fingers crossed. And I think that's one of the toughest things in this business, too, is that there's so much that we can't say. Yes. Even when contracts are signed because the studio doesn't want to let people know they're doing this. They want to do their announcement. And marketing campaigns are incredibly important. So I I very much respect that. But as the person who has the exciting news and can't say anything, that that can be challenging. Yes, definitely. Especially because I just want to call my mom as soon as everything happens. Right. Like, I'll call her for the most random things. She'll just be like, Mom, I got a really good deal on kill today. (laughs) And she'll be like this is why you're calling me? And I'm like, yeah, I was really excited. It was like two for five of the massive bags of kale. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm really bad at keeping secrets from my mom. Like, I talk to her every single day. So it's like really hard for me right now because I just want to call her and be like, mom, oh my God. <laughs> that, you know, but it's it's the little things in life that make the biggest difference sometimes. So I think it's exciting that you get a deal on kale because how often does that happen? Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's something worth sharing because it is those things that, that, you know, we we kind of wait for the big things to happen. But in between that, we have to appreciate the little things that happen because those add up to the same value as big things. And those are the things that get us through while we're waiting for those big things to happen. So I think it's really awesome that you have that outlook. Well, I, I love being around people with that outlook too. Yeah. It's just, it's always better to find the positives in your day than being like, oh, well, I got a flat tire. Well, did you? okay, if you got a flat tire, then yes, that's terrible. But did you have like a good conversation with the guy helping you change the tire? Did you yeah. glean something from that day? Did you learn about somebody's life? Did it make you happy hearing about their kids? Exactly. Or something like that. So it's, it's always really, really important to, especially out here, a lot of people tend to get a hold of the negativity and not let it go because it is a constant, especially in acting. There's rejection all the time. I used to go on three to five auditions every single week mm-hmm. when I was modeling, actually. And it was just always rejection. And that really started to get me down. I started becoming very negative about things. And I'm like, no, this isn't. this is not normal. This is not good. So, you know, you, you link up with people that make you happy and uplift you, then you do the same to them and 
the energy is just it vibes off one another. So absolutely, and it, and it just kind of raises the vibration of everything around you. When you look at the world and go out of your way to see the good in it, versus get dragged down by that that one rejection, um, it it just definitely makes life easier. And I had done uh, an experiment when I still lived in Arizona. Uh, I visited Vegas quite frequently, and one of the things that I did one one of the trips was everyone that I met, I did what I could to actually have an interaction with them. Not just a, you know, here, I, I'd like this bottle of water. Here's the money. Thank you. Have a great day. But just a, you know, a genuine going up to them. How are you doing today? Yes. You know, these people see hundreds of people every day and they're just these most uh, almost uh, sterile, diluted conversations that just really mean nothing. And it's amazing just watching somebody's facial expression change when they feel like somebody's actually interested in them. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and I did one experiment where I actually kind of hung out. I watched how the person interacted with the customers before me. And it was that very droll, you know, pleasant, but, you know, our transaction's done, you can leave now kind of feel. Then I had my interaction with them, and then I listened to their interactions with people after me, and it was much different because I had kind of changed the way they felt about their day. And it's so easy to do. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and living in a world where there's so much negativity, it just, you know, the more that we can do to make things better for each other, it also makes things better for ourselves because we stay in that zone. Yeah. And that might change your posture. That might change the maybe sternness of the look on your face one day. And then that person who's looking to cast you for a modeling job will feel that vibe. And that will mean just as much as whether you have the right look for their part or not. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm in an acting class right now. It's the Meisner Method with Elizabeth Ethnic Studios in Studio City. Nice. First of all, that class is amazing. And it's already helped me grow so much. I did the summer intensive. Now I'm in the full program. Mm-hmm. They really, really focus on bringing everything out of you. And that's a big part of that is honesty. And they were telling us, instead of just saying, oh, I'm good, when somebody asks how you are today, tell them, for real. Be like, I saw a puppy, so I'm really happy. Mm-hmm. Or be like, you know, I'm tired. Like, you actually have to, like, talk about it and then ask them honestly. And I'm like, ever since doing that, it's been just awesome. Wow. I like that. And I think it's a great idea, too. I mean, we we get so disconnected and so we're so digitized now as people. I I remember having a friend that I had only talked to, you know, through through instant message for a couple of years. And then when we finally met in person, I thought, do I need to bring a laptop so that we can have conversation or are we going to be able to do this verbally? (laughs) But it really does kind of feel that way. So I love that you're bringing back actually having a, a connection with somebody, even if it's just for a moment. That's really cool. Do you feel that it's, is it a harder rejection if you get rejected from modeling job or an acting job or does it matter? Um, for me, I actually had to stop modeling because uh, the rejections and all that stuff were usually over my weight. And with my heritage, it's very, you know, I have a lot of Russian ancestry and we tend to be curvy. Mm-hmm. Like my entire family were curvy ladies, like, you know. No matter how much weight I've ever lost, that doesn't change. Yeah. So I actually became anorexic, and only in the past year or so have I fully gotten over that. Wow. So I, I really did have to just stop. Because one, I do love, I, I loved being on sets and modeling and stuff like that. There's 
something about it that's great. Mm-hmm. You can do some really cool artistic stuff, but at the end of the day, modeling was never my end game. It's always been acting. I love acting so much, and I, if I get rejected from a role, then I'm like, okay, well, I have another audition this week, so I'm okay. Mm-hmm. But it's also something, too, because you can you can use all of your emotions that you already have inside of you and apply it to, you know, the imaginary circumstances given to you. Sure. Uh, and that's freeing, even if it is just an audition, even if you don't get the part, being able to just release it after just, like, crafting your character surrounding these circumstances, that is right there, therapeutic and amazing and fun. It's a rush. So yeah. even if I don't get a role, I'm just happy I got to audition. That is cool. I mean, even just getting to that point these days can be a big enough challenge. But even if you don't get the role, if you've created a character, you've learned, you've grown somehow from the experience of creating that. So it's not like they're not uh, completely beneficial. Even if you're rejected, you've still grown in some way. And you never know who might remember you for another role. They might think back, oh, that girl that we had come in for this. Yeah, she was pretty good. She wasn't right for that. But... I think she would be great for this. Yeah, exactly, because usually it's at the same casting studios anyway. (laughs) Exactly, and they really get to know you after a while, so they can kind of tailor that. And, you know, if you get to be friendly enough with them, they might even reach out to you and say, hey, we've got something coming up I think you'd be perfect for. You should come in on Tuesday and we'll send you the lines or whatever. I was listening to some of the podcasts that Jenna Fisher from The Office did when she released her new book, which from what I've heard is like, everyone who wants to be an actor in Hollywood should read this book. Uh, One of the things that she was saying was that she became really good friends with the casting people and they kept sending her out and sending her out. And finally they found something that just was absolutely perfect for her, which turned out to be The Office. Um, So it, it, it definitely is, I think, one of those just keep plugging away. Sooner or later, you're going to connect with that one thing that really just suits you. And then it's a matter of whether the project takes off or not. Yeah, exactly. I know that's something that that, that realization came to me a few months ago, too, because I was feeling pretty down. I wasn't getting, like, you know, as many auditions as I had been. Um, you know, everybody goes through slumps and, like, it, it's just part of life, part of the business. But... Something that I realized is like, because I just randomly drove to the beach and then my poor time management skills kicked in there and I, I ended up in like 5 p.m. traffic going down Sunset Boulevard oh. from the beach. Yeah, so I was like, oh, this is terrible. Why did I do this to myself? Right. And while I was sitting there, then I was just like, you know what? I was like, you know, because we were at a standstill for like ever. And I was just, like, checking out the GPS, seeing if there were other, you know, routes to take, but everything was red. But it was still on the fastest route, according to that. And I was like, you know what, this is kind of like life, though. Like, you're going to have these moments when you're standstill, and there are other times where you're just cruising. But if you don't, if you don't keep moving forward, you're just going to slow yourself down because you're going to be taking a different route that takes longer. Right. Because you've already put the other route. Yeah, and the fact that you actually took the effort to see if there was something better is also important because I think we get in our head that we're just doing things the right way and we often don't get out of that and look for other avenues. Even if there aren't any, it's good to know that, you've, that you're making the best choice. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I have to say that that does make me sad about the modeling because I know it's something that you enjoyed, but more along the lines of the statement that that makes. I think that you know we spend so much time 
trying to make everything perfect and trying to make everything the the expectation that we have on, on how people should look like if you're going to sell necklaces you should your hair should be a certain way your neck shouldn't be too thick your you know your your upper body your your the width of your shoulders everything has to be so perfect and demure and little otherwise who would wear a necklace when that's the market they're actually trying to sell to and uh, you know since you had had brought that up i'm curious how do you feel about uh things like that like is is casting somebody who looks perfect and thin all the time really the best thing or do you think that it would be better to to be showing a world that's more realistic and more something that real people can identify with i think it's just across the board like i know mo- like models who are crazy thin and super tall but they eat like a horse like a bunch and I love it because they will eat more than me and that's their body and it's beautiful but then you also have like people that are curvy or people that are just you know just everybody is different Mm -hmm. so I think that that definitely needs to start happening well it has started happening like with brands like Aerie Mm -hmm. Um, they've been portraying women of all kinds and it also comes through with men too because I know that I have a couple of male model friends too who just they have to grind out all the time. They have to be pure muscle all the time. They can't eat. Like, one of my friends, he started freaking out because he took a sip of his drink at a bar, and it was like, they put soda instead of tonic water. And he's like, no, there's like this amount of sugar in that. I'm like, the fact you know that off the top of your head is ridiculous. Yeah. Because I see it with men and women out here, just like, it's just crazy. And I started getting to that point, too, where I would just know exactly how many calories were in every single piece of food on my plate. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it shouldn't be like that. You should not have to think that way. Right. It's not healthy. And it is perpetuating really dangerous behaviors when it comes to eating. Like, it's perpetuating so many different things. I know so many people out here who have had eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, exercise bulimia, that kind of stuff, just because of that culture. And that's that's really upsetting. And I'm really glad that it's changing, mm-hmm. because it needs to. Yeah. And I'm glad that you went through your stint quickly enough and realized what you were doing and stopped. Yes. You know, that's very good because obviously the longer that that goes on, you could really do some damage to yourself. And and it's interesting because there are, there are certain decisions when it comes to looks that I agree with. If you're casting, um, say somebody as Catwoman, obviously somebody who's going to be overweight and physically slow, uh, more likely to injure themselves doing the stunts because of the, the physical challenges. I understand that kind of decision, just like I understand if you have a movie that you're making in America, that most of your people are going to have American accents. But at the same point with the accents, I can see why can't somebody have a British accent? I mean, we're the melting pot. You know, people come all over the world and live here, so it's not uncommon to walk down the street and hear eight or nine different accents in a day. But I've always thought that part was a little bit unrealistic. But I do understand certain decisions when it comes to physical, you know, uh, uh, attributes that that would affect a role, like Catwoman, for example. But one of the things that I like about you is that you're you're visually expressive. I think that you can have, like I was saying earlier, you have the different looks. I think that you're one of those people who the work I've seen you do, um, and I'm thinking specifically to that YouTube series that you were on one of the episodes. Um, I think it was it was earlier this year, wasn't it? And you were a, was it a vampire? Oh, um, was it? It came from Candy's lab. We are a new horror. Yes. 
I was just, I was just evil. <laughs> yeah, but you, you didn't say a word, I don't think, through the whole episode, but your eyes, your facial expression said everything I needed to know without you having to speak. And there's not a lot of people that can really do that, I don't think. So that's a real big strength, I think, in your favor. Thank you. I definitely worked on that, too. I do a lot of... I, I basically will stand there in the mirror and make the ugliest faces I possibly can. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I don't do that in public or on camera. Cool. <laughs> right. When you're out in a store, do you think that you kind of expand on the facial expressions? Or do you think that you, you really just go out and you're just your regular awkward self? I I don't really know, obviously, because it is me. I, from an outsider's perspective, I guess that would be better to ask. But... Uh, I know that I don't hide my facial expressions very well. Mm-hmm. So I, I could be, I, I also talk to myself. People probably think that I'm a little off, but it's okay because I, I do that. I, I will be at the grocery store and I'll just be going through my grocery list out loud. And then if I try to reach something, I can't reach it. Then I will start being like, oh, come on, roll closer. <laughs> Real closer, like there's so many times that I've had to turn around, and there was like a guy looking at me, like, "Are you okay?" Like, "Oh yeah, don't worry about it." Also, if anybody looks at me weird or does something weird, then like my face does not betray it. Like it betrays everything. That's what I meant. Oh, okay. It'll betray everything. It'll just be like if somebody does something really, really strange to me, then like I can't control it. Oh right, yeah. I can have, like, a weird-looking face sometimes. Well, I think that's okay. I think we all do that a little bit, whether we realize it or not. Do you ever go out and play a character on purpose? Hmm. Around Halloween, I do. Mm-hmm. Around Halloween, I do, for sure. I will go out. Like, I love Halloween. I guess that's kind of because, like, you know, I'm an actor, too. Like, I, I just love assuming other people's identity. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that's how bad. <laughs> Um, so I will actually do that. Like, I'll be, like, the other day I was talking, like, Harley Quinn for no reason. Mm. I don't really know why, but I started doing that, and then I was talking to, like, one of the cashiers at CBS, like, I was Harley Quinn. <laughs> and then, like, he looked really confused because I dropped right back to my normal act, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is my number for the, for the card. And then he just looks at me, and he's just like, I'm like, come on, you live in L.A., there's some weird people here. Sure. This should not be new. <laughs> well, I remember when I was uh, working with uh, groups that would do dinner theater, and they would do them at like uh, Dave and Buster's, for example, and they would do rehearsal, and then the director would say, "All right, you're going to go out into Dave and Buster's for a half an hour and be your character," because they, oh, just yeah. to, because they had to live interact with uh, the audience during the the show, so they had to start practice doing it the rest of the time. And I thought, you know, that would be kind of a good exercise sometimes for actors to really see what they can do. Uh, and, and really get comfortable with those characters. I mean, you get used to reading a script and being the character when you're saying those lines, but that really doesn't immerse you in the character themselves as much as it does just when you're filming. Yeah. And I wonder if that would help be e- make it easier to be the actor if you're more comfortable with the character. Oh, definitely. I know that sometimes I will just go into a zone when I'm first getting a script. Mm-hmm. The next few days, then I'll be kind of like in the mindset of the character. And that could be extremely good or extremely bad, depending on the character. Um, mm. But I do this thing, too, to where I would just go and drive around at night and drive up to, like, Mulholland Drive to one of, like, the lookouts and then just sit there at the city, like, looking out over the lights and everything, thinking about how lucky it is to be here, for one. Like, yeah. 
Um, a lot of people leave here because it's really tough. Uh, a lot of people don't even get out here because it's difficult to get out here and finances and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I just go up there to appreciate it, recollect myself, and then I'll just practice up there. Ooh. And no one's around because it's the middle of the night. <laughs> right. And you've got the, just the energy of that, like we were saying earlier, how that affects you, just the energy of the city and taking that in, taking in the... I made it past finding a place to live and I've made it past staying here more than six months and all those things that a lot of people just don't get to do. I agree. So what advice would you have then for somebody who's considering moving out there, let's say in the next year? Because obviously you really have to have a plan. You can't just up and move and go, well, I'm just going to move to LA. My lease is up next month and I'm just going to take a shot. Definitely save money. Um, Try not to go out as much. Like, you know, just, Save, 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 save. Put it in a savings account. Don't touch it because you don't have it. Because um, the money here, it, it, everything is inflated. I think that was the biggest thing here because I did just up and move. I decided within a couple months that I was going to leave Arizona. Wow. I'm leaving. <laughs> and then I hit up a good friend of mine, and he found that a bunch of his friends that had an apartment here, they had an opening. So... I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants, which was extremely stressful, and I do not recommend it. Sure. Um, So basically, really get your finances in order, and also understand that people out here come to play. Yeah. It's It's not just like, oh, I feel like being here. No, everybody here has a purpose, they have a passion, and everybody's low key savage, sometimes high key. It's just you have to be prepared for that and like be settled in yourself enough to know that you should not take things personally. Mm-hmm. Because people out here, like if you go to an audition, either they're very nice, like everybody's cool sitting in the casting area, or some people might try to psych you out and make you feel like you're nothing or that you're too young or that you're ugly or that you have a weird voice. Just It's just you have to steal yourself. Right. Also have a car because it's awful. I was without a car for like four months, I guess. And getting to and from auditions was horrible. It was very difficult. Yeah, and you don't want to be paying Uber there when it takes you a half an hour to get six blocks. Yeah, exactly. Would it have been difficult, do you think, to find an apartment had it, had you not had a connection? Absolutely. I was having the hardest time. It was extremely difficult. I also didn't have a lot of credit. Uh, I had, like, no credit. So that was a major reason why I kept on getting denied because I, I had no established credit because I was still pretty young. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. And I had kind of a mini freak out on the phone with my friend. And then he was like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, you know, I'll help you. But like, he's like, write something on Facebook and then I'll share it. And through that, then he kind of helped me find, I'm actually staying in the apartment right now. Like I've, I've held it down this entire time. Wow. What about networking? Do you, how would you suggest that people network when they're outside of LA so that they kind of, they're setting themselves up for some element of success or, or re- reasonable success when they get there? Um, Instagram, honestly, Instagram is a fantastic way to network. If you go on there, then you really look at, you can look it up to like social media um, growth. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really important factor in the time that we're living in now. I agree. So um, you meet a lot of people. I've collaborated so many times just through Instagram. Um, I actually am going to be working with a swimwear company who hit me up. Ooh. Yeah, so I get to be a brand ambassador for them. 
and cool. get free swimsuits and, you know, hey. and that's grow it though. You grow your entire base of like, you know, your group of people that you work with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Instagram is really good for that. And then like sometimes Facebook, but Facebook's a little, it's, it's kind of dying down a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think everything merges from one thing into another thing. I mean, it used to be MySpace for the longest time, and then that sort of merged when Facebook became a thing. And now that Instagram is becoming a, a bigger thing, I think that's kind of the the new thing where people are heading. I think those old ones will always exist, and, and you'll have your older people that will just refuse to move off of it because that's what they know and they're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, Instagram can be a little confusing f- for the first little while until you really understand the platform and understand what stays on your your profile and what is just there for a short time and you kind of learn how to work that but i've i've had so many people in so many different uh genres of life start following me on instagram more so than i have any other platform of social media where would you value the importance of being real versus trying to create a persona that you think people would engage with well i'm always i always try to keep things real i don't have a filter like at all but, um, yeah, like, um, it, when I'm meeting people, like, I will keep it professional, but at the same time, like, I, I don't think that it's best to have a big old filter. Like, you need to be extremely real, but when it comes to Instagram and stuff like that, you do need to curate a little bit, just because mm-hmm. if you want to have that, the followers and the engagement, that is going to help propel you, um, especially because agencies definitely look at that. Agencies and managers look at your Instagram, mm-hmm. because it's a huge marketing tool so you need to look at that and curate kind of like a continuity through your photos and through colors through content you need to kind of craft a persona and a character if you want to get maximum opportunity to network yeah but real life just be real because there's so many people out here who put on a fake persona and it needs to kind of change too because you, you'll start hanging out with them. You're like, whoa, you're not at all the person that you portrayed yourself to be. Right, right. And also casting directors don't like that. They don't want to be like, oh, you were so sweet in the audition. And then you're all of a sudden this crazy diva who wants like three blackberries in their water every half hour. <laughs> right. like, they want to know that. They want to know all of that before they hire you. So, You know, when I got to the point that I had to have my fruit cut up into gear-shaped pieces, I think I had gone too far. Do you would you say it's a, it's kind of a fine line between being playful versus being serious to show like you have both sides like you can joke around and be fun but when it comes time you you have the ability to buckle down and do the job. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. If anything, that's what I will do. I will buckle down and hardcore just do everything that the director wants you to do. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like once like you're like letting up and like you know, okay, cool, we got it, we got it. Then like I'll be like, ha. Unleash the puns. <laughs> right. Yeah, like one of my friends and I will be all set, like, just like a hurling dad jokes at each other, like in between takes. And then, and then, like, it, it gets really fun. But yeah, definitely buckle down and get the job done before you goof off a bunch. I think that's the kind of thing, too, that will gain you the next job a lot of times. You know, I think that if uh, if the director likes working with you, because if they don't like working with you, you're not coming back to them and they're not going to recommend you to anyone else. But if they do enjoy working with you, if you if you're serious, but you keep it light, you make them happy, but you make it a good experience for them. 
I think they're more likely to either bring you back for another project or recommend you to one of their friends because, you know, a director knows another director um, or a casting agent. I think that those are the things that just as easily as having the talent, I think that's just as important. I agree. Everybody's connected. Yeah, and you have to be able to bring it. I mean, you have to have the talent to back it up. But I think there's a lot more that gets excused if they just like you. Like they might be willing to do a couple of extra takes for you to get it if you're, you know, if you're having a hard time or you're just laughing or whatever it is, because they know that you're trying to be serious. They know that you will do the job and they really like you and they want to see you be successful instead of we just need to get this film finished, which is how they're going to feel if they're not enjoying the experience. Yes. Well, also, it's, they're not going to lie too. Mm-hmm. But if like, you know, you pour so, so much into a movie or a TV show, series, whatever, um, you pour so much money into it, so much time into it, and everybody, everybody's pouring that in. So if you do not have a cast and crew that's at their best, then it's a waste. Right. And you're not going to be good like, It's not going to be received well. And that's going to be death for whatever next project that you have because people are going to be like, oh, I saw that it was terrible. I don't want to see this. So that's another big thing, too. There are very high stakes mm-hmm. for everyone involved. I agree. I agree. Now, I see that uh, I didn't know that you were working on Split Lip, which I think was uh, Chris Sheffield's project, right? He wrote and directed that? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, and is that your most recent thing? I definitely know. It is my most recent thing, but I definitely had fun working on that. I kind of just, because he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And uh, I, was, I play a character in it, and I also helped with production. I was like a productionist, his only production assistant. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a shame. He's he's very minimal. It's like you know, he had a very small crew, so like it was like amazing people like um, Brooke Darwin and Chase Darwin and um, Lorenzo Cuevas and Shakira Presley and just so many other people that were amazing. But all of us were working together as a super tiny skeleton crew, mm-hmm. and we were just trying to get it all done very quickly, <laughs> but really well. Chris is really good with having a vision beforehand. He kind of knows what he wants, so he doesn't have to take a lot of time to get it. Yeah. It's just a matter of setting it up to make it the way he wants it. But he, I, I told him, because I worked with him a few years ago on a film in Arizona, and I, I said, you've got a really good eye for this. This is what you should be doing. And I'm so glad to see that he is doing it. Oh, yeah. And he's such a great guy on top of that. You know, he's like, you can't not like him if you just hang out with him for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then the face that he gets, whenever he's like, okay, like he gets a look on his face when somebody's suggesting something, but he's trying not to be rude and shut it down to where I just like, I'm like, okay, so we're not doing that. <laughs> right. Don't even bother saying it. I see the face. It's happening the way he wants it. <laughs> Exactly. But it's always, it's always good. He's a great director, too. He always knows how to deal with actors. Mm-hmm. He doesn't try to be overbearing or jump into a scene before it's done to call cut, because if it's an emotional scene, you don't want to do that to an actor, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to freak him out and kick him out of the character and all this other stuff, and he doesn't do that, which is really important. Right. Yeah, no, it was a good experience. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Excellent. Well, I am, too. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today and and answering all my questions. You've been awesome. And where can people find and follow you in social media? Um, Instagram is the best place to follow me. Um, I kind of quit Twitter because I couldn't keep it up. (laughs) (laughs) And if it was, it was something really weird, like, I ate a salad today. No one cares. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, um, it's Stephanie Gale W, I believe. And that's on Instagram. Okay. But... 
Thank you so much for having me, Q. This has been fun. Thank you so much. You've been great. And I, I look forward to watching your, your career continue to grow. It's, it's been an amazing uh, couple years since we've met, and I've enjoyed it immensely. So keep at it. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to talking to you again. Thank you. She's a lot of fun, isn't she? I had such a good time talking to her, as you could probably tell in the in the interview. Um, what, you know, one thing that I really like about people like her is that, you know, when people say I, I'm shy, I get nervous, or I'm you know a bit of a dork, or I do these dorky things, I love that because that's who they really are. They're not trying to be someone else; they're trying to not be someone else, and that brings out more of who they really are. I think, anyway. So uh, it's one of the the many things I appreciate about her. So thank you for uh, staying with me for another episode. Once again, please leave a rating on iTunes or uh, if you like a review, but at least a star rating would be great. Uh, If you like the show, if you don't like the show, that's also fine. Be honest. If you have any questions for me, you can reach me at scott at scotthaskin.com. I'd be happy to answer anything I can for you. So have fun and stay tuned for next week's episode. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.